Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 15. And I'm chatting to a wonderful guy who I met on the internet. <laughs> I know that sounds wrong, mum, but it's true. I read an article about him. I just knew I had to talk to him. Uh, and this is uh, Phil White, who's the founder of a brilliant business called Fungimental or Fungimental. I'm actually not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, so when I read about Philip's work, I thought, wow, this is such an amazing, established, sustainable business, collecting coffee grounds and recycling them and then mushroom farming out of them and then selling those mushrooms as produce. And, you know, what a wonderful way to produce, but also to rescue and keep organic materials moving through a circle of life, if you will, uh, rather than going to landfill as so many coffee grounds unfortunately do in this world. And he had a contract with Virgin and I thought, wow, this guy must have been going for years. So I sought him out and we teed up an interview and uh, we get chatting in the preliminary chat to make sure that I bring the best out of him in the questions. You know, I really want to make sure these shows bring you some wonderful insights into how these people create the businesses they do when I bring a sustainably oriented business onto the show because it's really just so wonderful and beautiful. And if more of us can be inspired to realise that any business we create or any business that we have can transition, of course, into being a sustainable um, social impact model, then hello, awesome change can be created in this world once we all start thinking that way. And certainly, if you're not going to start a business as a consumer, once we all start thinking that way, of course, with the things that we purchase. So we were chatting and turns out he actually only started the business very early this year. So what this guy has achieved in under a year getting this business off the ground is mind-boggling and he has already won a very significant award uh, for his sustainable business and he has trained with thought leaders, he has surrounded himself with mentors and he has really decided to build the kind of business that he upon reflecting about what type of business he would create, uh, the kind of business that he would be really proud to use the skills that he had fostered through his life and through his education moving forward. And one of the beautiful things about his workforce, for example, is ensuring that disadvantaged members of the community can have a chance at working and being trained up as mushroom farmers. So there's just so much goodness to be had out of this short chat that I'm bringing you today with the lovely Phil White, UK born and a borrowed Aussie these days, but now excitedly spending a lot of time in the UK developing an arm of the business over there and doing incredible things like rescuing coffee at Heathrow airport. So I will let our chat speak for itself. I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed having it. I'll see you after the show. Hello, Phil White. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. How are you, Alex? I'm really well, thank you. And thank you so much for joining us. I'm very inspired by your business. And uh, as you heard in my intro, guys, this is the founder of Fungimental that we're talking to today. And there is so much juicy stuff we're going to cover uh, that 
ticks all the low-tox buttons in terms of uh, building a business that's not just about the financials but about the social and environmental impacts as well. Uh, So many uh, inspiring businesses that we've already interviewed on the show that uh, tick all those boxes and it's wonderful to add you to our beautiful list. Thanks very much. It's great to be a part of it. Yeah. Now, for those who have never heard of Fungimental out there, never heard of this bloke, Phil White, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, how you came to be doing the work you do today? Yeah, no problem. So um, I obviously originally from the UK and I moved to Australia about six years ago. And for a lot of my career, I was doing what a lot of people do, kind of chasing the money and, uh, you know, flying around the country and working in various mine sites. I used to work for BHP. And it was during my time in the Pilbara that I kind of had a lot of time to think as a flying fly-out worker in, in the Donga in the middle of the Pilbara. And um, I decided to start see, actively seeking out what I was passionate about and what kind of impact I wanted to have on the planet. And um, I just started researching, watching lots of TED Talks on sustainable ideas and different innovations. Um, and I came across a guy called Gunter Pauli who has something called the Blue Economy, which was around creating... 100 case studies for sustainable businesses that could create 100 million jobs globally in 10 years. And one of those case studies were actually creating high value, high percentage protein food products from waste streams. And one of those waste streams, obviously, mushrooms from coffee. So that sort of stuck in my head. And that was about two and a half years ago. And then since then, I've sort of been building on that idea and thinking how I can make that idea Profitable um, in an environmental sense, a social sense, and a, and a financial sense, I guess. Yeah, amazing. And, uh, you know, it really is any business that starts today should really be thinking, how can I do this for people and planet in mind and yet create a, a financially sustainable business? So, you know, was it the fact that you were on a mine site that kind of made you want to want to do a 180 on on that? Because that's obviously it, that literally at the coalface of one of the biggest yeah. issues today. Uh, explain to me sort of how how the light switched on. Why sustainability when you were a fly and fly mine worker? Well, I've always I've always had a passion for geography and the, and the living planet and the planetary systems that operate and um, you know, you, you hear more and more doom and gloom stories and, you know, I, I just got thinking, you know, surely I can apply my skills in a way that can actually have a positive impact on the planet. And yeah, you're right. You know, when you're on a mine site and you're seeing, I mean, I was an iron ore, so we weren't, we weren't particularly, you know, mining coal or anything, but, um, it certainly is on a large scale industrial, uh, machine. And although while, you know, it might not be the most polluting industry does certainly you know take you back when you see this big hole in the ground and you see all this iron ore getting shipped on these huge ships to china and um it was yeah it was a bit of a come to jesus moment for me when when i saw all that happening and i just thought i could better use my skills to have a more positive impact and you know help me help me sleep at night a bit better and be a bit happier yeah nice and so when you started looking into coffee and uh, specifically growing mushrooms from coffee, mm. now you say that's nothing new, but to a lot of people out there, that's quite excitingly new information. Mm. Can you explain to us how growing mushrooms out of coffee actually works? And this is spent coffee grounds, so we're rescuing this from landfill, right? Correct, yes, yeah. it's spent coffee grounds. So um, coffee is the second most traded commodity in the world behind oil. Um and it's probably one of the most wasteful, if not the wasteful commodities, because only 2% of the actual plant is the bean. Mm-hmm. And then less than 1% of the bean ends up in your cup. 
So it's it's hugely wasteful and hugely um, resource intensive, and it's, it's you know it's it's a luxury that we all love, um, but we need to start thinking about what that means to the environment. Um, so the work that I do is basically just capturing that small amount of the two percent of the plant that makes it to Australia and makes it to our to our cafes. And it was first discovered that you could grow mushrooms on coffee in Serbia, of all places, with a wonderful lady called Ivanka, and she's been doing it for around 30 years. Wow. And it was her case study that was actually used by Gunther Pauli in the, in the, in the speech that he did that I saw. So I, I, I then got on a plane to Serbia in February this year, and I spent two weeks on a sustainable mushroom farm with Ivanka. I went straight to the horse's mouth, as it were. And um, she's an inspiring lady. She's won lots of innovation and entrepreneur awards in, in Serbia and she's just things really magnificently so and I constantly work with her and bounce ideas off her with the business about how we can take it forward um so that's that's kind of how coffee works and coffee coffee works because the type of mushrooms we grow um in the wild they'd grow on on hardwood mm. and essentially all a coffee bean is is a form of hardwood it's full of cellulose very low in sugar so the mushrooms can can thrive on that sort of that sort of substrate Amazing. And what was your first kind of moment where you thought, wow, this could actually work. I could actually build a pretty big business in this. Was, was there a, a a meeting that you had where someone believed in the idea and, and thought, let's go with this? Can you share? Well, the, the thing the thing was, um, so I'd, I'd seen a few other people doing it around the world. And there's a couple of companies in the UK and what they have really beautiful community-driven businesses where they kind of run a bicycle and they drive around their local cafes in the local area of a city. Um, and then they grow a very small amount of of, uh, of mushrooms in the city as well. And that's kind of a great story and it's a great example of what can be done. But I thought, well, no, how can we ramp this up and how can we maximize the benefits by making it commercial scale? Mm. So I then I thought, got to thinking, who are the super coffee consumers of the world? And I was thinking airports, casinos, airlines, and you know the big corporates, Westfield, shopping centers. So I started calling around these guys and asking them what they're doing with their coffee grinds. And obviously the answer was mainly nothing. You know, We just put them in the bin and discard them, which cost them a lot of money because this coffee is full of water. Mm. Um, so they're essentially paying to throw water away because they pay per, per kilo. Um, so then we started getting a lot of interest in this idea and, and really a lot of people coming on board and a bit of excitement behind it. And this is before I'd obviously left my job. And then it took probably about three to six months planning after having conversations with the likes of Qantas and Virgin Australia and the Star Casino where I really thought I could have a viable business model here. How brilliant. And so you obviously got a big contract with Virgin Australia. Is that the, the biggest one you've had so far? Um, Virgin and Qantas will be, yeah, the, the, the biggest. Um, and also the casino uh, down at the Star have indicated that they would like all their restaurants to serve our mushrooms. How brilliant. Ah, so you're then able to sell the mushrooms as another part of the sort of service product kind of model that you've built, right? Exactly. It's yeah. all about efficiency. So we can drop off coffee, sorry, drop off mushrooms, pick up coffee in the one trip. So mm. it's, 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 again, it's about efficiencies. And, 
and that's the model we're also going to try and implement wherever we go and, and really try and work closely with those partners. Amazing. And it's funny you say, you know, we drop off the mushrooms and we pick up the, the next batch of, of bent coffee grounds because it makes me think of the idea in hospitality, which I spent many years in, uh, how you never waste a journey. If you're dropping something off, you're yeah, picking exactly. something up. And, you know, it's just basic common sense in terms of efficiency. Why are we yeah. not moving that across into business efficiency mm. to minimise waste, to minimise fuel i mean you minimize so many things the cost of doing business as well let's see i mean never, never drive an empty van that's what you know you should you should always aim to do that and that's what we, we try and aim to do at fundamental nice now when it came to you deciding uh well obviously you needed employees at a certain point in time and this is all so brand new so you've grown significantly in your first year haven't you we have yeah i mean we've, we've got lots of interest on board and, and we've you know, had a bit of bit of media coverage, and so we we started with sort of a skeleton crew of of one, which was me, um, and then a production manager came on board who's really passionate about mushrooms and drove that drove that forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a chef that um, is involved with this as well, working on um, various other projects that we've got going on. And then, but in the main, we're really trying to focus on working with disadvantaged groups as well as. Um, interns from universities and things like that and there's also lots of interest from volunteers in the community so we want to put a bit of an educational element to that work experience that people get as well. Beautiful and you've already I mean you've what I love is you've really thought about how this is going to play out so you're starting as you wish to continue. Can you talk to us a little bit about the the social impact you want to make and the the kinds of organizations you're already partnering with uh, in terms of the charitable uh, sense? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, in basically in in Australia, we're working with a couple of organisations. So, uh, one of them being the Glenella Foundation. So, we're looking at bringing some young Indigenous kids on board um, from tribal backgrounds, traditionally maybe hard to employ, but we'd like to you know take them on board and, and give them the opportunity to to give them work experience and pathways to employment, and obviously formal structured education in the form of mushroom training um, and how to cultivate and grow mushrooms. Also, we'd love to equip them with entrepreneurial skills so they could go home to their mum's house and take a single car garage and turn that into a small mushroom farm using coffee from their local area, which they could then sell at their local farmer's markets for a profit. So that essentially would be their job and they could employ themselves doing that. Um, Other things we're looking at doing is um, we're securing a rooftop um, in this middle of the CBD in Sydney, mm-hmm. and that will we will actually build a large food garden on that rooftop, which will be fed by our waste. That garden will be maintained and upkept by homeless people, um, mainly from organisations like the Wayside Chapel in um, in Potts Point. And then obviously all the food that's grown on there will will go to those organisations for free. Beautiful. Ah, oh, so good. Just so good. And in terms of um, making it financially viable, I mean, obviously for for us to do good, we have to be good at what we do to then continue to be able to grow it and then fund more and more partnerships and projects and, and get more employees from those disadvantaged communities you speak about. How yeah. how does that work? Is it the selling of the mushrooms that becomes your your principal revenue stream or is it that you charge to have the the coffee ground waste removed or is it both it's actually the the primary source is the selling of the mushrooms uh-huh. um but we also have, we also have mushroom kits so what we're trying to do to maximize coffee divert from landfill there's only so much we can do as a business yeah so our plan is actually we've made these mushroom kits that require five kilos of coffee every month and you can buy one on our website oh fabulous and we'll pop that on the show notes 
you can take this kit home and basically go to your local coffee shop and they'll be they'll be glad to give you their coffee grounds because you know they they cost them to throw them away mm-hmm. and basically you can take your kit and every month you've had five kilos of coffee and every month you'll harvest between 800 grams and a kilo of mushrooms a month and it's very educational great for kids all the instructions are in there with a beautiful recipe card as well and a troubleshooting guide and yeah it's just a fun way and you can have your own mushroom farm at home i love it and you know in this day and age where people are trying to diversify their proteins a little bit more spend Mm. less less you know abandoned factory farmed meat altogether and trade up to sustainable meat sources you know regenerative farms that sequester carbon more than they produce and all those good things that obviously costs a lot more so if you can start Mm. diversifying your protein and getting some home homegrown mushrooms in the mix i mean that's brilliant for and these mushrooms are 33 percent protein um so they're they're absolute superstars when it comes to a great alternative to meat fantastic that's meat free mondays organized then um, <laughs> uh, so now you have just been in London. Something very exciting has happened there in terms of the development of your brilliant idea. Can you talk to us about the chats you've had at Heathrow? Yeah, so we just won an innovation award in the UK. Um, it's called the RBS uh, Innovation Gateway. It's run by the Bank of Scotland, but it's got a number of partners, Heathrow being one of them. And Heathrow heard about our idea and basically got in touch and we were successful in the first round of the innovation gateway so we're just in negotiations at the moment to have a farm potentially funded by Heathrow and Exit Terminal 5 on a piece of land that they currently own it's currently been used by a charity so we're going to partner with the charity the charity is called Green Corridor and they work with physically and mentally disabled people and teach them how to do home agriculture grow beautiful fruits and vegetables and then what we can do is we can go in there and, and add, a mush- add a commercial mushroom farm to that educational process mm-hmm. as well as a financial base for the charity with a profit share just to help them pay the bills. Amazing and how much coffee are these airlines wasting and why was it airlines that you went for was it just some sort of you know you had a hunch that there'd be a heck of a lot of coffee coming off those those planes or? Well in, well, in just to give you an idea in Sydney so in Sydney we collect from Virgin Australia and from Qantas and we're only collecting at the minute from their um, airline lounges so that's the Qantas Club, Virgin Australia Lounge um, as well as Business Class Lounge and Chairman's Lounge and just mm-hmm. from those two sources we're getting around 800 kilos of coffee a week. Oh my um, gosh wow. But he Heathrow Airport is a different beast. So <laughs> I bet. Heathrow Airport um, consumes around 35,000 cups of coffee a day. <gasps> so based on seven grams of coffee a cup, that's around 2,500 kilos of coffee waste every day from Heathrow. Goodness. And that's all their lounges in Terminal 5? That's, that's, no, that's, that's across the whole of the Heathrow site, all the concessions, all the lounges. That's every single piece of coffee that gets delivered and used on site on Heathrow. Wow. Wow. That's from Heathrow's own numbers. So, yeah, that's – and I, I haven't seen Sydney's numbers. That's just the numbers that I've known from Sydney, that's all. Yeah, incredible. And the opportunity, the potential of what can be saved. Do you know a global figure approximately of, of how much coffee the world is, is... – It would uh, be trillions of cups. I wouldn't yeah. have to quote you on it, but it's – No, I mean, it's, no. It's, a, it's the world's second most traded commodity. It's absolutely vast. And the amount of waste that's out there is crazy. And part of the innovation gateway actually – one of the partners is Lancaster University, and obviously we need to create a number of deliverables for mm-hmm. the trial of the farm, which we need to obviously meet and prove the model that it works. So Lancaster University will do 
producing a full report on what we're doing, which will be independently verified. And that will then enable us to go to JFK, LAX and say, look, guys, this works. It's a no-brainer. It provides locally grown food, social benefits, and it creates jobs in the local area. So hopefully, if we can prove the Heathrow model, we can have mushroom farms every airport in the world. Ah, that's your big goal? One of them, yes. Yeah. So what else have you got <laughs> um, on the cards yeah, so for the we, future? So, yeah, so with, with, the, with the mushroom business, that's definitely something that I'd love to see. That and I'd love to see and I'd love to prove the rooftop model as well, like we're trying to do in Sydney, just so we can break down the barriers to accessing all the wonderful roof space around the world that we could be utilising for food production. Amazing. Just so good. We need more of you, Philip. We need like little clones. Have you, (laughs) (laughs) how do you hope to, I mean, obviously there's you at the helm, you're the founder. Do you then get strategic partners or appoint country managers to to, uh, sort of work on the local businesses in London and then in the future at JFK and LAX? How's that going to work? Yeah, I'll look, I'll look after this, the strategy for the whole business mm-hmm. um, and then I will employ farm managers at each farm, um, someone who's experienced right. at running a mushroom farm yeah. and someone who can you know assist with the social benefits that are happening at each farm as well. So that's the plan. I'd only, I'd only employ one person that you know, was not from a disadvantaged job and rural background and that person would manage the whole process working in partnership with the charities and the managers that work with the charities as well. Incredible. And I would, I dare say that person would need to have a certain amount of experience working with disadvantaged people, uh, homeless people, troubled people that you're hoping to employ, right? I mean, there is, there is, there is a certain need for that. But the the key thing to what we do is we we only partner with organisations where, you know, if we think there's a high risk person, then there will be a social worker there or there will be a case worker there from the organisation. So it's never kind of like okay. uh, the farm yep. manager will be managing these people by himself if we thought they were high risk. And certainly in the early days when we're getting to know these people who work for us, we would always have case workers and people around if that's necessary. And we and we use we we allow the organisations we work with to guide us on that because um, we're not the experts in working with these people. Mm. So we we rather than employ them directly, we just work with the charities and 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 see what's best on a case by case basis. Ah, gotcha, brilliant. That's a great way to get around that. Now, um, something that you something that we all think, I guess, is of uh, straight away is meat and methane implied in in wastage and uh, landfill and farming. But there's methane produced in coffee waste as well. Is that right? Correct, yeah. I mean, any organic waste that goes to the landfill will release uh, release an amount of methane, um, mm. and it's t- obviously 22 and a half times worse than CO2 for the uh, for the environment. And we know that, yeah, like you say, I think most of us have seen cowspiracy with the um, with the methane that's produced yeah. and and from from the meat industry. So if we can if we can just start to take a dent into that, you know, not so much by boycotting meat, but just by replacing meat you know, a few times a week with different sources of protein, um, then it will go a long way to helping to helping reduce that as well. So it's a two-pronged process. Not only are we preventing the coffee going to landfill, but if we can actually get more people eating oyster mushrooms and high-protein mushrooms instead of meat, then we're also preventing that methane that would have been created from the animal um, meat industry. Yeah, brilliant. Now, gosh, where do we end this? Okay, I know. <laughs> I've got a question to ask you and I think this will really um, – I really like to ask people on the show who have these incredible businesses, what 
can the average Joe do? Uh, what's one of your favourite things, obviously, while they're waiting for their mushroom kit to arrive in the post? Yeah. Uh, what can they do on a day-to-day basis to be more socially, environmentally aware? What are some of your favourite little light switches to give people to go off on their brains to kind of go, ah, this is bigger than me and I can do more? I mean, for me, there's, there's so many cool organizations in Sydney in any major city um, and we don't really know they exist unless we look for them so true so I you know if you're interested in sports for example all you need to do is google sports charity or sports social organization in Sydney or in London wherever you are and you'll find a heap that are just active under the radar and you can go down there and they'll welcome you with open arms and you can go down and play basketball with some people who you know in need of help and a bit of support or, you know, if you're into food or food production, there's a great thing in Sydney called uh, Pocket City Farms, which is really fantastic. Yeah, they're fabulous. Getting people involved with urban agriculture. And, I mean, for me, it all started with Google. And the other thing that you can do in Sydney as well, there's so many farmers markets that are sustainably and socially minded that you just meet like-minded people. So I always find that I'm a product of the people I socialize with um so the minute i'm obviously hanging around with a lot of social entrepreneurs people who are kicking goals in business and it really rubs off on you and it inspires you because you can see these people are doing it so if you want to go down to the local farmers market and get in chatting to these stallholders who maybe have taken the plunge from corporate life they might just be making homemade chutneys and from sustainable locally grown ingredients and they're building the business up and just Talking to people like that is really inspiring, I find, and, and it will help you kickstart your journey into something that, you know, you, eventually you might be able to turn a passion into a job that could help the environment and, and the society. That's beautiful. And so many people that start to think more low-tox and start to think buy less, buy better, you know, just waking up your consciousness overall, it's incredible how many people start to shimmy over towards doing work that's more purposeful for people and planet as well. And it's uh, it's it's like you say, you've got to be conscious of the people you hang around or you seek to hang around with because yeah. that's one of the big things, isn't it? I, I absolutely oh, totally. agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Philip. That was just such a great chat and I'm so excited to see your business in just one short less than a year have already started to achieve what you've achieved, winning awards, building partnerships with huge airlines and even Heathrow Airport now. It's it's really quite admirable. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks very much, Alex. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to speaking to you soon. Yeah, and I'll pop everything that we talked about in the show notes of interest for anyone who wants to check out any more links, uh, please do so. Lotoxlife.com forward slash podcast. Bye-bye now. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week.
for your ears. Who is that? Hi, podcast.